The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, though, I want to return to a story we've been covering in great detail the last couple of weeks, and it's the shortcomings into the CAMS service in this country, Child and Adolescent Mental Health uh, Services. I'm joined now by two parents from a group called Families for Reform of CAMS, about 200 family members as part of this group looking for exactly that urgent reform of the entire system. Anne and Jennifer, you're both very, very welcome to the show. Um, Jennifer, if I can start with you, tell me a little bit about your daughter. Hi, so um, my daughter Maggie, she's 10. Um, Maggie was treated for a very aggressive brain tumour when she was a baby and um, thankfully she survived but she was left with a lot of damage and she's diagnosed now with autism and an intellectual disability amongst other stuff. And um, so she's struggled all her life but the last few years her mental health has really deteriorated. Um, Covid didn't help and um, we reached out to the professionals in the last couple of years and last September we were referred into CAMS. Now we're in Leitrim, so it's Sligo, Leitrim and West Cavan that we were referred into. Um, and our local disability team put, said Maggie should be put on the urgent list because she's extremely anxious. Um, she like she doesn't sleep. She gets up at like 2 or 3 a.m. for the day most days. She is injuring herself. She's covered in bruises. She's injuring her little brother. She's injuring us. She's in severe distress. Um, And she's a 10-year-old beautiful little girl. It shouldn't be that way. So we were referred in and the urgent list was 12 months. Um, So our local disability team has been very good to us and they got it. Sorry, Jennifer, the, the urgent list was 12 months long. I was told the list itself was 12 months and I said, but Maggie's on the urgent list and I was told the urgent list is also 12 months. There's no difference. I don't know what urgent means to them, but there was no difference. Right. So we were expected, we were willing to wait until September, but our local team here in Leitrim got us in quicker. So I had a telephone assessment a couple of months ago and I could tell on the, the telephone assessment that they wanted to refuse the referral um, and it was very much a thing of this isn't a mental health issue, this is just autism mm. that I was getting on the phone and I, I said you can't leave a 10 year old girl like this so um, again with the help of the local disability team we pushed it and in the last month I we actually got a meeting with CAMS, we still aren't un- or weren't under their care but we got an assessment meeting with them And basically what has transpired is that Maggie has been discharged before they even took her under her care because Maggie has a moderate intellectual disability. Um, And last year, um, the HSC launched a separate CAM service for children with intellectual disabilities um, last September. Now, there's funding in our region for that, but it's not set up. And there should have been 16 different, in 16 different regions, an intellectual disability mental health service should be set up. In the last year, there's four. There's four at this time. So there's 12 without any service. So we're not entitled to any mental health services now. We are discharged from CAMS and we can't be referred on to anywhere else. So there's no more waiting lists. Um, So she's not on any waiting list. She's just, you're completely just swinging in the wind at the moment. I, I asked them, I said, what is happening to families and they said they're being sent home with four. I, I was sent home with forms for respite. 
to apply for respite to give us some relief, but no relief for my daughter. <laughs> Sorry. And um, even if we wanted to go private, there's no psychiatrist. Like, this is really why we need CAMS, because mm. we're being referred back to our local teams. They don't have psychiatrists. And she has such complex needs. Like, children with intellectual disabilities often have, like, you know, diagnosis that are lying side by side, sev- several different things. So mm. they need really complex care. And we don't, privately, psychiatrists have closed off their books. They're picking up the slack for the HSE. So there is no one that we can be referred to, even privately. Like, in fairness, the therapist from CAMS, they were distressed at having to release us from the service. They knew she needs help. So they checked out um, where they might get help for us. They couldn't find anything. They they rang St. Pat's Mental um, Health Hospital in Dublin. They didn't know where to send us. So... There is so many, like, and they're hidden. We're just in yeah. our houses, can't get out, being forgotten, being sent home it's, to deal with it ourselves. It's, I mean, the story, Jennifer, I mean, it has echoes of so many different things we've heard over the last few days uh, on on the show. Uh, one of which yeah. is just the, the, the fact that the people working in the service themselves, in CAMS, are absolutely trying their best and working they as hard as, as they can. I want um, the best for your daughter and others. But the other thing that it has echoes of is, is something we heard from a GP the other day, which is that the, the the parameters, if we'll call them that, for accepting somebody into camps are far too narrow. That GPs the whole time are getting patients kicked back to them in situations like yours. No, that doesn't that doesn't meet the requirements. That's not a CAMS patient. Uh, yours is particularly yeah. egregious because you, you fought it. You, you, you got this sit-down meeting and as a consequence of it they said well no we've got to discharge you because there's this other service up and running even though it's not up and running it doesn't yeah, ex- the service I, I, does not exist no and it, and even it does exist in other regions but you can't be you can't be referred out of your catchment area so it's not like we can go to the service in another area um, yeah it, it's ridiculous and I've gotten further than most people most people are being refused at referral the referral is just being taken off the waiting list so we got further but I mean, we are we're willing to wait. Like yeah. we understand that services are overwhelmed. But now we've just got to a point where what are we meant to do? Wait until she's eighteen to get her into adult services. But, you, she's but not Jennifer, going to imagine, get any better. could you imagine somebody going to their local hospital with cancer and they said, "We're not going to give you chemotherapy here. You're going to get chemotherapy in the hospital down the road." And the hospital down the road says, "Sorry, we're not. We don't offer chemotherapy. We will at some point in the I future, know. but we're not doing it yet." And, and the first I hospital know. says, "Well, that doesn't matter to us. The fact is, you're going to be offering it, so we don't want anything to do with this patient." I mean, there'd be yeah. there'd and, be holy and war. And if your address, yeah, and if your address was an hour down the road, you would get it because it's a lottery as to where these teams are set up. I mean, and then the services, the people in the services are upset at discharging these children, but the pressure is being put on us, the parents, to try and get to push the HSE to get these services set up. Now, parents are they're tired; they don't have the space to do this, and you know. It's a lot to put, to go out and tell your story over and over yeah. again to try and push them to get this done. But it's being left to us again. And how is Maggie today, Jennifer? She's not good. She is not good. School is closed for the summer. I can't get her to leave the house. She's she's in distress, and she it's the whole family is in crisis. We have jobs. We're trying to go out. We have no sleep. She. 
like she headbutts us, she has plumped, like pulled, plumps my hair out. It's not about that. We can survive all that. But at the end of the day, we cannot survive the fact she is not happy. She's not happy and there is something out there that could help her and we don't have access to it. Jennifer, it's just an awful story and I, I don't know anything to say to, 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 to provide any degree of comfort. And I'm sure everybody listening feeling the same way. Listen, don't go in here because Anne is on the line as well. I know Anne is, is, is a, a member of Families for Reform of CAMS as well. Anne, you're welcome to the show. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your own story? Thanks very much. Um, yeah, um, it's 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 a, a different story, I, I suppose, to Jennifer and Maggie's story. Um, my daughter is um, well. Maybe I'll say initially, I have had I have three children, all neurodivergent, and um, they all have a number of diagnoses. Um, my, I've had two children through CAMS and one child most recently. My youngest was, um, I suppose, rejected at initial meeting, similar to Maggie's daughter, but different circumstances. But what I wanted to tell you about, I suppose, today is, is my eldest who, um, she first, um, I suppose, displayed mental health issues when she was 14, when she was self-harming. And I recognised that, you know, there was kind of low mood and anxiety there. But when she started um, doing this, you know, I, it, it was incredibly scary, at, you know, a young girl of 14. So I brought her to the GP and the GP asked her, you know, was she thinking about, um, you know, harming herself further? And um, she, you know, yeah, this, this, this was a risk for, you know, perhaps, you know, something worse than self-harm. I, I don't want to naturally go into it because I know it's an afternoon show. But yeah. um, so she was referred to CAMS. Um, um, we were um, they, within six weeks. Um, and um, we we just, I suppose, really felt this is, this is fantastic. We're in the door now. She's going to get need. Um, I'll tell you we what, we'll get Anne we'll um, Ann back on, 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 on a better line. Jennifer is still with us. Um, uh, Jennifer, the, like the frustration that you feel, so obviously feel, um, yeah. and the kind of the despondency <clears throat> as well, I think people will have uh, picked that up as well from the conversation. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that has to have an impact as well on on your own mental health, your own well-being, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. And we know that with Maggie, that she'll, like, she will need our care forever. Mm. Uh, so, like, we want to be there for her as long as we possibly can, but it's not sustainable as it is. And, we, you know, but if we got the help, we'd be, she could have a better life. We could all have a better life. But to just be told to go home and deal with it, like, and and to be honest, we're one of the luckier ones because I know from speaking to parents, there are people out there, they don't have family support. They don't have a good uh, local disability team like I do in Leitrim. Like, you know, they, they, they don't have the energy to even go for referrals. There's a lot of children in crisis that, like, I read the CAMS, um, their report when they were launching these teams Mm. and they said that in the last census there was 25,000 children under under 18 with intellectual disabilities. So you're talking about 25,000 children in the country that don't have access to mental health services. 
Yeah, I know it's crazy when you do the maths like that. Listen, Anne, Anne is back with us. Anne, apologies. Um, you, you were no, telling apologies, us about yeah. the, the experience of your your eldest daughter. Yes, sorry, I, I'm not really not sure where where it kind of cut off, but um, just to say that I suppose with anxiety and low mood um, and self harming, she was referred to CAMS, and we were fortunate enough to get um, a kind of a fairly quick appointment, and I felt that they would be able to provide her with counselling and other kind of therapeutic interventions that would, would ease the situation for her. Um, she was desperately unhappy. Um, but what, what I, I suppose I learned very quickly was that they were only interested in providing her with medication. So she was, she was um, prescribed antidepressants, which, you know, is fine. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the first line, maybe, you know, initial treatment. But she, at no stage did she access any counselling. Um, in spite of us asking for it numerous times. Um, but on top of that, what, what we found very difficult was every six months, the psychiatrist or trainee psychiatrist, I think they were registrars, um, that she was seeing changed. So every six months, she had to try and build some sort of trust and um, relationship with somebody new, um, you know, as a, as a vulnerable teenager. Um we would find when the when the new um, registrar would would take over that the prescriptions might be sent out incorrectly, a wrong medication or a wrong dose, which mm-hmm. I had to, I suppose, be very vigilant about. Um, and you know, I suppose we got to the stage where she was approaching her leaving cert. Um, she was still under CAM, um, and I was pushing, I suppose, for about a year before that for her to be further assessed. You know, to see if there was. I suppose to lift the lid off the anxiety and and depression and look underneath to see, well, why is this? Why is this happening? Why does she feel like this? Um, and, it, you know, it, it, I suppose every time that we engaged with them, went to appointments, I was asking, can she be assessed? Can she be assessed for autism? Can she be assessed for ADHD? So ultimately, just before her leaving cert, they decided to assess her for ADHD. Yeah. Um, and the registrar, you know, we filled out all the forms, the school filled out the forms, um, and the registrar we were dealing with, who was, I mean, they were all fantastic people, don't get me wrong, they really were, and very committed. Um, but she she said, you know, from everything that she was seeing in the forms and having spoken with my daughter, that she felt sure that, you know, that an ADHD diagnosis was appropriate went off to speak with the team. They have these team meetings yeah. and came back to us the week later and told us that she didn't meet criteria. And we were we were kind of, I suppose, left with a rug pulled out from under us. Um, my daughter had very, I suppose, closely identified with, um, you know, the various kind of ADHD type behaviours and, and, and feelings and so on. So they then said they were going to assess her for autism. Um, which I know an awful lot of people, you know, get rejected because they have autism from CAMS. But yeah. they assessed her for autism. They did a multidisciplinary um, assessment and they decided, yes, that she ha- was autistic, um, which my daughter doesn't identify with at all and doesn't accept. She said she felt very much they were turning her into a diagnosis. She was then approaching her 18th birthday. Um, she was to be discharged. I asked for her to be discharged to an adult mental health um, service. Yeah. But they said no, that they, they she was fine. She was stabilised on her medication. Um, and this was still antidepressants many years later and that she was being discharged to the GP. So she was most unhappy about, I suppose, the outcome. So we went privately 
for a second opinion. Yeah. And um, she was diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> and Which is what the, the registrar knew. The, well, after, the after registrar, that meeting. yes. Yes, yes. And then the, the, the people yeah. then that the registrar sat down with in a in a room that your daughter wasn't in had a conversation yes, about her decided my daughter. I never yes. met your daughter decided nah she doesn't yes. know it. That's right. That's right. It was nonsensical. It you know, she and she felt just terribly let down, you know, because she just thought that these people who have never spoken to me, never heard what I have to say about my feelings and, you know, my mental health, um, have made a decision in my absence. So you know, look, I guess what 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 happened was we, we went private. She got the diagnosis. She was told that it was, you know, more than likely not, um, that that she wasn't autistic, that it was ADHD was, was kind of underlying all of this anxiety mm. and, and low mood. Um, and she started medication for ADHD and, you know, I suppose has, has seen the improvement that that gives to people with ADHD. But the difficulty is that my daughter went through, you know, I suppose from junior cert onwards in her secondary education underperforming because she didn't have the medication she needed yeah. to focus and concentrate and, you know, engage fully with her education. And, and as a result, didn't get, I suppose, you know, the course that she wanted to get after college. And how is she now, Anne? Um, she, you know, she still suffers with anxiety um, and low mood. and. Um, you know, has difficulties with focus and concentration and is quite impulsive as people with ADHD are. But she's on medication, so she can manage it a little bit better now. She understands better, I suppose. And this is why I I feel diagnosis is so important and why, you know, I I suppose I was pursuing it with CAMS, even though they weren't necessarily wanting to engage initially. For somebody to have a diagnosis and to understand that they aren't broken, um, to understand that, you know, there's nothing wrong with them, that it, they're just, they just have a difference, a neurological difference. Yeah. It's so important, so important for self-esteem, so important for self-forgiveness as well. Um, so she went through, I suppose, years and years of, of I guess, you know, failed um, mental health support. Well, it kind of sorry, it, 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 this again, like like Jennifer's story, is kind of echoes of of, of other things that have been touched on during the week, and mm, I mean, mm. it's it's like time was kind of stolen from her to a degree. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, time and time and you know, I suppose. Look, she wanted she wanted to do teacher training. She didn't get the points for it. You know, I've had her I've had her assess. You know, an educational psychology assessment. You know, as part of all of mm. this. You know, kind of trying to explore what was going on for her. And she's she's very intelligent. She should have got the point, but she just wasn't. She was having panic attacks in school. She was, you know, hiding in the toilets because she was so anxious. So she was missing classes and so on. So it's, it's not just, I suppose, stolen time, you know, with regard to her mood and her mental health, but also, you know, I suppose her... her her much-desired career, well, we were hoping it isn't stolen, we're going kind of a different route to it, but, yeah. you know, it is, is is kind of seeming a long way off for her. Um, but, you know, I suppose to add, the fact that CAMS didn't refer us on to adult mental health services, we are still, and my daughter is now 21, nearly 21, um, we are still um, on that path trying to get into adult mental health services via the GP. Yeah. Um, she's been rejected several times and finally had her first appointment. So why, why why did they reject her several times? 
Oh, because, you know, I suppose, like cats, I think, you know, you have to be in the moderate to severe category before they accept you. So, you know, primary care, they would say, is for the mild to moderate. Um, so they, without meeting her or yeah. anything like that, but just literally assessing just kind of GP's letter. Hold your horses until the problem her. gets worse and then we'll try and deal with it. Well, well, this is it. And you see, I, I, I guess as, as parents, we all try and, you know, as best as we can get the help in the early stages. Mm. Um, but you're, you're absolutely correct. It's, you know, come back to us when, when you're at real risk of harm. Anyway, listen, Ed, Ed, I was going to say a beggar's belief. I'm not sure that qualifies anymore, given how often we're hearing these stories. Uh, but yeah. Anne and Jennifer, listen, thank you very, very much uh, for sharing them. Uh, Anne and Jennifer are both with uh, the group Family for Reform of CAMS. And as I said, there's 200 members of that group, 200 families uh, in that group. And that's exactly what they are calling for, for an urgent reform uh, of that system. 87 106 uh, the number. Back in a moment. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.